Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpeed. Hello there. Welcome to Radio Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Radio Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, coming to you live from Bayside, New York. And soon to be joined by my other half, Brian Calvi, the other part of Cal. We got a ton to talk to you about tonight in the world of sports. Uh, the Mets, Jose Reyes. We're going to have Patrick Flood from PatrickFloodBlog.com on the SNY.TV network of blogs. We'll talk about a little football later, too, after he goes. He's got to go. He's got to sing. She's going to join us for about 35 minutes. And uh, we are coming to you live, episode 1137. That guy yells. He's fun. It's Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampy. All right. And welcome to the show, December the 8th, 2011. I am one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro, for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampy, joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in all things sublime, my partner in sports, because it's a big deal and it's nice. He's coming to us live from his seven-year-old's room. There's a lot of – he's usually in the basement in Comac. He's usually in the uh, the RTU basement lair. But tonight, because of computer problems, Cal joins us, surrounded by Barbies and Pink. Welcome to the show, Cal. Yeah, I'm I'm live from the Princess Playroom in Comac. And that's not meant to be creepy. No. By any means. It's a means to an end right now. It is, it is what it is. Cal's uh, computer, in the two weeks we have not been together, Cal's computer has crashed in the basement where he's in his – he's like his fortress of solitude. He's down in the basement. He's talking sports. My bunker. You have to people. You have to understand. Cal is surrounded by estrogen. He's he's <laughs> he's got a wife. He's got two daughters. The dogs are female. I think no, only one of them is female. You have a male dog there? Yeah, but he's completely blind. <laughs> literally, literally. We took him to the vet on Saturday. He's blind. Oh no! And I'm laughing. Yeah, he's blind. Blind oh. as a bat. Can't see. You set him off on a course. He bumps into walls. I mean, it's really what a sin. 
Yeah. He's 11, he's, 11, he's 11 and a half. He's had a good run. They live to be 10, this particular breed of dog. You got a designer dog there? Yeah, you know, he's, no, he's a pug. He's a pug. He's a good, good little guy. Solid pug. Yeah, real salt of the earth kind of kind of fella. <laughs> um, but they go to, they go to ten. Ten's their life expectancy. He's at eleven That's and it. a half. So they hit ten. Good night, Irene. Hey, we're, we are we are um, we're in overtime right You're now. You're in so. bonus time right now. I like it. It's like watching soccer, and you're hoping for that couple of couple it's, of minutes extra. Right. You don't know how much you're going to get. I think that's a problem with Americans watching soccer. Like, you, you, like bonus time is so ambiguous. I don't get it. I don't get it. Are we are we just being like dumb right now? Like, think, oh, we're dumb Americans. I don't yeah, understand think- injury time. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, like a European, well, not a European, uh, maybe a South American. No, that's no good. How about a South African would watch hockey and be like, offsides? What are you talking about? Right, would have no idea. But you so know what? Cultural is what I'm saying, Brian. But some North Americans don't know offsides and icing, and that's very difficult to figure out. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. Look, we haven't been together doing this in about 17 days, 19 days. I don't know. It's been 114 days. It's like a hostage forever. It's like a hostage situation right now. Right, yeah. There's some sort of watch on CNN right now about us. That's correct. Like uh, it's like Jimmy Carter is somewhere trying to <laughs> get RTU to come back. Jimmy yeah. Carter. There's blindfolds and stuff. It's not right. Make fun. Uh, That's not funny. Um, uh, PJ is with us, Cal. You should know that. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Our producer is with us, but he is not to be talked to. Okay. Until later. Per his contract? No. Or... No. <laughs> Uh, clearly, he can push buttons. Well, that's for sure. Right. But yeah. Cal. <laughs> there you go. There uh, it is right now, Cal. He can't come on the air. He's actually working. He's trying to keep low profile while he's working. All he can do is play little sound snippets. That's perfect. It's beautiful. It's when he's at his best. Well, welcome. We have uh, Patrick Flood on the show, Cal. Yes. We vowed that when Jose Reyes finally signed somewhere, we would have SNY.TV's slash Mostly Mets podcast slash uh, Bon Vivant, Man About Town. I don't think he's a man about town, Patrick. I think he could be. I think you can say that for Berg, Ted Berg. I don't think you can say it for Patrick Flood. I don't know. I think he'd be comfortable – if he needed to be, I think, being a man about town. He seems like a chameleon to me. Yeah, he's he's very adaptable to all kinds of situations. We're going to talk uh, Jose Reyes and the Mets and what's happening. Uh, Jose Reyes, of course, signed with the Florida Marlins. Albert Pujols signed with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of California of Los Angeles, of the Angels. Yeah, that was today's big news. Today's big news. They went and signed him and C.J. Wilson. Right. They went nutty. So uh, it's a Cardinal, uh, an Angels-Marlins World Series. World Series, let's just do it. Clearly. Write it up. Cal, my my favorite part of the pool hole signing was Mike Francesa telling us what it meant for the Yankees. (laughs) I didn't hear that. Yeah, that was his open. That was his open. 
Oh, well, obviously, that's what the story is. Of course, means a lot for the Rangers. But, of course, down the road, you know, if you talk about the playoffs, means a lot for the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, we're we're going to talk later on in this uh, winter, Bri, we're going to bring Phil Soto-Ortiz back in, uh, who's a Yankee guy for us. Does he know that? No, no, no. We'll let him know. Okay. We'll okay. give him some notice. <laughs> but no, I want to bring Yankee guys in, and I want them to tell me. Got plenty of Yankee guys. Right. I want them to tell me why they're going to win 97 games this year. Well, maybe they can't this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe they can't tell you that. Exactly. Cal, have you missed the show? A little bit. You're looking well. A little bit. Well, it's the lighting in 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 the Princess Playroom. You're much better lit in that room. This this is designed for an eight year old girl. You somehow look like an eight year old girl. Well, that's then it's working. Not in a bad way. No, no, no. I have I have the energy of an eight year old girl though. We have to uh, we, <laughs> we have to talk football later too with the Jets and the Giants and the Giants with the Cowboys game. Giants have lost four in a row, but everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, you would think that the Giants are, are on the verge of clinching a playoff spot. They do now. They do control their own destiny. They do. Because you got to give them that. with the Cowboys. Well, we had that caller uh, the last time we did the show, the night before Thanksgiving, uh, who was fantastic. His name escapes me, but we, we had a great caller from Connecticut called to talk about the Giants. And one of the points he made and we sort of made together, which I thought was great, was the Giants – and this was – pre-Packers, pre-Saints games. Those two losses. There was Before this, we said the Giants have to feel almost good that they have the Cowboys on the schedule two more times. It's good. No, even if they lost those two games, it's still in their own hands. Right. And they do. They have it in their hands this weekend down in Dallas. You know what, Cal? That's how you build a stadium, by the way. In Dallas? Yeah, just a little memo to Woody Johnson. That's a little much, though, that's Dallas. A no? Nice, no, no, no. That's not too much? No, no. We're in New York. If you're going to spend $1.25 billion or whatever, can you give me that? There are stark differences between the new stadium in Dallas and the new stadium in New Jersey. I'll give you that. Stark is a word. Listen, Cal, before we bring uh, Flood on, he should be calling in any second to talk Mets. He's uh, mostly Mets podcast. He's magnificent. I have a question to ask. So Wesley, uh, my son, turned one on Tuesday. One. Yes. Yes. Hey. Happy birthday to the little guy. Happy birthday, hey, Wesley. Cal, we made it. Whew. It's a tough one. That first year is tough. It's all, it's all cherries and ice cream from here on out. He kept him alive for a year. We made it. <laughs> so, Teresa and I doing a lot of pats on the back. Good job, everybody. Good hustle out there. Good job. Before you start taking bows. <laughs> <laughs> you had uh, parent-teacher conferences tonight. I did, yes. I'm a little further down the spectrum than you are. Right. You have, uh, what do you have, eight and six? Eight and five. Five. I like to think I'm blazing the path for you guys, so you can you can see what, what lies ahead. Absolutely are. Anything big out of... Parent-teacher tonight. Did um, Julia talk about the Mets? Did she talk about Reyes? No. Did she, did she go in? Did she go in asking about Chris Paul? No, she did not. Now, see, this is the misconception here. 
parent-teacher conference is just the parent and the teacher. Kids out. The kids are not involved in this discussion. So did the teacher say to you, listen, Julia, your older one, she's got to stop talking about signing Reyes. She's got to stop. Right. Well, she did say she noticed a, a definite decrease in her attitude this week. So since Monday, I think she said. She said and, it was good. Right. And and uh, the little one, Emma, she's in kindergarten. She was walking around humming all week. <laughs> really sadly, though. <laughs> you know, just kind of like looking down and kicking the dirt. And she's a melancholy kid, that one. She is. You know, we got we got uh, we got great reports on our kids. We're very pleased. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So, so they're not lighting the school on fire. Not yet. Not yet. Cal, do you, Cal, do you hear this music I'm playing? Yeah, it must mean something epic is about to happen. We have new intro music for our buddy Patrick Flo. Joining us tonight from SNY.TV, PatrickFloodBlog.com, and the Mostly Mets podcast, wow. I am an oil man. Mr. Patrick Flood. Patrick, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I chose this music for a reason, Patrick. Okay, please explain. For your intro. (laughs) You're probably dying to know why he did this. I was was reading uh, your blog today. I'm going to leave it on in the background, by the way. It's magnificent. Uh, I was reading your blog today. <laughs> it just comes back. Johnny Greenwood just keeps smacking you around. There will be blood soundtrack. I was reading your blog today, and you had trades, and, and it said blood with an with a exclamation point. And I, I felt like so you thought. there will be blood. I, I, I said two things. I said, one... There will be blood with the Metropolitans. I said, but two, Patrick probably likes that movie. You know, I've actually, I have not seen that movie. I see. Could you? So I, I, maybe I do like it, maybe I don't. I haven't seen There Will Be Blood yet. It's on my list, but I, but I still haven't gotten around to it. It's got to be high on the list, Patrick. It's a great movie, man. It's, well, I mean, it's moving up now. If you talk it up, it'll certainly move right up. <laughs> Do you, do you like the Radiohead? I do. I like Radiohead. And actually, I saw um, some orchestra play part of the soundtrack even to that right. movie. But I haven't seen the movie itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cal, uh, we're, we're thrilled to welcome back Patrick Blood to the show. It's a ready to unload from PatrickFloodBlog.com on the SNY.TV network of blogs. And also, the really great – last time we talked to you, it wasn't this great. And now, you know what, Patrick? It's really great. The, uh, oh, really? Most, yeah, it's really good, the Mostly Mets podcast. It's really good. We're, we're working on it. We, uh, I mean, we started it over the summer, and, and uh, Toby Hyde has the radio voice, as I'm sure you can tell. 
but then, you know, like it's like me and, and Ted, and Ted does the TV stuff. But I guess really I'm the one dragging it down. <laughs> That's not true. But but over time, you know, you, you do it more and you talk and, and you get used to it. So I hope it's improved. I hope it's not getting worse, certainly. I don't know if that was well, possible at the beginning. but <laughs> It sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun with it at least. We do have fun with it. It's fun to talk baseball with people. And then, you know, then we just happen to record it and put it on the Internet. And hopefully other people like to listen to it. Right. Well, we had we had Ted on a couple of weeks ago, and um, it, he was talking about how it's been a good time for him doing the podcast, and and how you guys like there's like outtakes and stuff now. There's maybe like a DVD extended edition. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but, uh, but it's 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 really honestly. I, I've been listening to you guys since the first episode. You're in in the twenties now, and it's it's really really good. So I I, I hope you guys keep it up. Well, I have a lot of fun doing it, and I'm sure we'll keep doing it as long as uh, okay, we're so with the SNY Network. Exactly. The SNY Network of blogs and, and podcasts. So, Patrick, yep. nothing's going on with the Mets. I mean, that's the upsetting thing. No, just they've had a very quiet week. Absolutely nothing has happened. <laughs> There's nothing to see here. Please keep walking. Nope. Um, uh, it, it was all kinds of emotions. Yeah, I I I, I want to get your emotions. I want to get Cal's emotions, and and I'm going to give mine first to just set us off. But watching Jose Reyes, um, and I'm I'm really glad the press conference was during the day, so I was at work. <laughs> so it's really like like if I had been home, like sick or something ridiculous, and watching live, very. But I was getting it on Twitter, so yeah. I had I had like all the snark of the beat reporters. Mixed with all the fantastic commentary of like the bloggers, so I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this is okay, okay, we're gonna be okay. Like we're gonna get through this. I, 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 I it's, it's, it's terrible that he left. We had talked to Ted about uh, Ted Berg about the idea of him leaving. We wanted, uh, we had talked to you a while back about the idea of him leaving. You predicted that he would go to the Marlins back in October. And you were not way, you were not way off with the money, by the way, Patrick. You were a little off with the I money. I was, I was, I was like thirty million off. That's a lot. Of money. You were twenty-one. What'd you say? You said six for hundred and thirty-two, right? I think I came up with like twenty-two million a year, and I think yeah. he used it seventeen or eighteen million a year. I think about eighteen million a year. So I was off probably four million a year on the average right. value. But he gets twenty. He only gets ten and ten the next two years. Then he spikes right. up to 22 and 22. Look, 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 let me just ask you guys straight out. Patrick first, Brian second. Watching that press conference, did it hurt as much as you thought it would? First question. I thought the press conference hurt not as bad as the, uh, if you saw it with Kevin Burkhart later. Mm. Um Mm-hmm. Where Jose, yeah, Jose said, you know, basically just said it's not my fault if the Mets. It, it was almost that was the sense I got if the Mets had wanted him back more or had made it. It almost sounded like he might have even taken less money to stay with the Mets, but they just didn't do a good job of, of expressing their desire to keep him. And and that sort of uh, makes me angry, you know, almost. And I'm not angry, you know. It's like it's you know it's baseball stuff, but it's a business, and they they couldn't have given him as much money as the Marlins. But at the same time, it almost sounds like they just kind of messed up the negotiations. The Mets did. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like the Mets just kind of messed it up. 
why do you th- – this is fascinating to me, this this entire sequence of events, because Brian and I uh, did an entire show, Pat, about the idea of does it make baseball sense and then in a vacuum without the Madoff issue, right? Does it just make baseball sense to give him six for 110 or whatever it was and then take it out of the vacuum and just say the vacuum exists, the mess the Mets can't make that sort of finan- uh, financial commitment. So, well, it's yeah. If you read the Ken Davidoff of like Newsday right after Jose signed with the Marlins, had was like I thought it was a really great column. Just the idea is it, it almost doesn't matter what your opinion is of whether or not these of you can justify it as a baseball decision, or it's not worth it to keep keep Jose Reyes for that much money. Or if you think it's a, a Wilpon thing, it doesn't matter because right now the Mets don't have the credibility to pass it off as a baseball decision because right. all the other stuff is going on. Even if it was a baseball decision, that's not what it looks like. And I thought that, that's just kind of a good point. I feel like I can't separate the two. Um, right. The baseball decision, if it was one, or if it's just they don't have the money. Well, I think a lot of things that we're seeing, Patrick, and I, I don't know if you have the same take that Steve and I do, I, I like to call it, I, I dubbed it the adjustable narrative. And that's that uh, these writers, on one hand, they'll tell you that the Mets are um, they're, they're crazy for not signing Jose Reyes because they need to put fans in the seats. But on the other hand, they'll tell you that it was a good baseball move to not bring him back. So it's like they're trying to play both sides of it. And I just wanted to get your take on, on what you feel uh, the decision to, to not bring him back. Was it, you said they kind of botched the negotiations. Was it the right move, though, not to go to the level of contract that the Marlins offered him? I think it is a lot of guaranteed money for uh, Jose Reyes. At the same time, I think that's a it, it was a thing. It's a fair contract for him as a free agent. I think it's definitely that's like a fair value for him. Um, I guess I guess that is an issue comes into a baseball question. The Mets think that you know he'll obviously be he'll be older at the end of that contract, and I guess you're worried about maybe the last couple of years when he's making twenty million. Say the last three years when he's making twenty million, and he's slowing down, and he's in, you know he's still like an okay player, but he's not a great player anymore. And he's taken up room in the payroll when sort of the next wave of good Mets are coming up and that's the next good Mets team. I guess it's the way you can justify it is that even if it's a fair contract, the Mets aren't going to be competitive for the next two or three years anyway. But, but are I'm, you, are not you, sure if that's, I'm not sure if that's true. Well, are you, are you okay with the way uh, – Sandy Alderson said he didn't want to offer – He didn't. he knew where – Reyes and his agents were playing as far as the contract, the level of contract, and he didn't want to put out a token offer just to to give the impression that the Mets wanted to finish second. But that's kind of backfired because everybody feels like, well, the Mets didn't show him any love by not doing that. Uh, what, what do you think about that? It's I think it's hard to kind of separate um, what the Mets, what Jose Reyes knew, and what the Mets knew because in between there's always the intermediaries, there's the agent. Right. And, and that sort of thing. And maybe the Mets were making it clear to, to I think, Peter Greenberg as Jose Reyes' agent. I think they were, maybe they were making it clear that they wanted to keep Reyes, and maybe that wasn't getting back to the agent who was pushing Reyes just to get the most money. Something like that. I don't know That's if it's true or not. That could, be, that could just be totally off as well. Um, we may never know that, yeah. And also, right, and we of, may never know that. Right, and there's a lot to factor into this. One of the things that we were talking about, uh, factor into it, and I mean with money. 
you know, one of the things we were talking about uh, between Cal and Dr. E. Ray Stat and I uh, when these negotiations were going on, Patrick, was the idea that on on Reyes's last contract, you could say that he got robbed. I mean, you, you could say that the Mets got the so much of the best of that deal. So no matter what contract or where Jose Reyes was going, I mean, he just signed with a 71-win team. He just yeah. he just left a 77-win team for a 71-win team who also has their ace coming off shoulder surgery. Okay, so yeah, you can opening, sign opening a new ballpark and all that. Exactly, you can sign all the Heath bells you want, and you can talk about winning all you want. He went where the money was. If the Mets had come in at 110 million, if they had come in at four million over what he was paid, he would have signed with the Mets. I mean, winning is not the issue here. The Marlins are not going to win 98 games next year. Sorry, they're not. Okay, no, so, I would be surprised if the Marlins won 98. Exactly, exactly, exactly. They, they won 71 games last year. If you're telling me that uh, Mark Burley, Jose Reyes, and and uh, Heath Bell are worth 25 wins, <laughs> well, I wish they were to their other clubs the last three years. Yeah. You know, so so – to me, it was just about the money and also the fact that the contract he signed in 06, the extension, Patrick, was not great. I mean, people at the time were like, he's getting robbed. So I had no doubt that if Kansas City had come up with $120 million, he would have went there. So for him to come out with the love and the want and the thing was very frustrating. Made it easy for me to say, you know what? No, good riddance. But that's also because of the ownership we have. Right. I mean, at the same time, it's easy to make somebody feel wanted by throwing $106 million at them. Right. You know, or whatever it is. And and that's a very easy way to say, look, we really want you. We're willing to pay you a ridiculous amount of money. Right. Um, And so in that sense, the Mets didn't want Jose Reyes as much as the Marlins did because they weren't willing to pay as much for him. Well, they can't. But they they can't. they They can't. And 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 this idea of uh, uh, Jeffrey Loria showing up in the overcoat. By the way, creepy. Creepy. That's, yeah, that was Just. a creepy story. That was uh, that was weird. <laughs> At twelve oh one in the middle, like in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all I all I could picture Patrick was Jeffrey Loria being like two dragons. Okay, just guys, it's gonna get a little weird here. But uh, two dragons. Like, like, wouldn't you call your agent after that and ask him to check with other teams, maybe? Right, or just keep that guy away. This, guy, this guy's I weird. Can, I can just imagine Jose in his broken English talking to Greenberg and being like, "Can get get Alderson on the phone." Um, but it, so he he leaves the emotions. I I don't think it'll really hit me, Bri. You're probably the same way, Patrick. You're probably the same way until we see him in that other uniform playing against us because we've never seen that. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be weird. It's gonna be it's gonna be just and, and given that the uniforms are an abomination, it's gonna be yeah. really, it's gonna be yeah. really freaky. But. The, the last thing on Reyes, believe it or not, and then I, I want to get other Met takes for you, uh, from you, Patrick, because I know you got to leave. <laughs> we're like we're like we're like having you on with like Carson, like we're like Carson, and you have a movie premiere. Like we know you got to go. You can't stay on the couch. You have Cannonball Run three with Burt Reynolds. You got to go run here. 
could Cannonball Run 3 have happened without Burt Reynolds? No. Possibly? No. (laughs) Way to bring the podcast to a halt. (laughs) Ask him about Reyes. (laughs) Last thing on Reyes, Patrick. Yeah. And and, um, and and that is, I I think Alderson handled this in the best way he possibly could. Do you think, and and you cover the team very closely. Do you think for a second, when he says he thought they had a legitimate shot at him, that they did? Because that seems to be very important to Met fans. That they had a chance. I think you know. I think they had a chance to sign him. The way it sounded like on kind of a Friday, Thursday, Friday, the end of last week, they thought that maybe things would break their way in terms of right. signing Reyes. Um, and then it just it just didn't. <laughs> I guess then the Marlins just decided to up their offer and, and maybe pushed him to, to take it right away. And, and then that's how it went. Yeah, it, it, all, it all happened very fast on Sunday, it seemed. It did. And actually, I think that worked out um, actually okay for the Marlins because if, if Jose Reyes was still free in now, with Pujols just signing, uh, not with the Cardinals. Now it's on the Cardinals have a lot of money put aside and need a shortstop. And then I think the bidding on Reyes would have gone up even more. Right, would have gone crazy, right. Yeah. So it actually, it actually didn't work out well for Jose. Like, he should have held out. I mean, it seems no, like yeah, the he should have, I think he should, have, he should have waited a little while longer because it was really just the Marlins bidding against themselves with the Mets who could only afford, you know, to give him $80 million guaranteed, that kind of thing. And right. so it was just they basically just went team bidding on him. Did you think that was weird, Patrick? That nobody else got involved? A little bit, but there's a uh, I don't know how many teams were looking for shortstops this winter and could afford Reyes. It looked like the Brewers maybe were going to get involved, but the Brewers probably couldn't spend much more than the Mets could. And I think the Marlins sort of just pushed it to where only big market teams were looking for him. It could be in the race, and then that, that sort of leaves you with you know the Angels. Yankees and the Red Sox. The Yankees and the Red Sox are going to sign him. Right. And then the, the, Phillies, the, the Phillies could have gotten involved, though, no? The Phillies could have gotten involved, but I think that's, uh, that's Not a that longer number. commitment than they'd want to make. And they already have yeah. Ryan Howard under contract for $25 million a year. Well, that's true. Yeah. Which I have no problem with. I think it was a great contract <laughs> for the sign. Uh, that's a contract everyone thought was awful like, like two years ago when he signed it, and now it's actually starting today. and. Right, <laughs> and, and and you can barely walk right now when the contract yeah. starts. That's when we have the we have the banners out. Good luck with your contract. Great job. We we love that. Um, uh, w- one other thing with Reyes too, I found that you guys talked about on Mostly Mets that I found very interesting. Um, on the Mostly Mets podcast, you know, just going in, in inside the numbers and stuff like that, and the idea of committing, uh. And and this was you guys did that podcast before the numbers on the contract came out. And I thought that was I thought that was very interesting. A, the Marlins never give a no trade clause because, you know, Reyes will be a Yankee in two years. But yeah. B so they, so they wouldn't that's why they lost pool holes, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, I think that's they I think they supposedly they offered pool holes two hundred seventy five million. But right. they wouldn't no give them a no trade clause, right. Um, so, you know, they're not giving out the no trade clause because, you know, we got to break this up in a couple of years if it doesn't work yeah. out. Um, but you, you guys talked a little about, uh, and before you knew what the contract was in, 
you know, he starts out, Reyes starts out at 10, 10, and then he jumps to like 22. And it's like, and, and it's almost like they put that in there. Like, I think the last four years of the contract are like $70 million. And and you'd be like, gosh, boy, I really don't want Jose Reyes at 31 years old making 22 million dollars a year, unless of course I'm the Yankees. So I, right, I, I, I right, there's no chance that Reyes, uh, Burley, uh, to me, there's no chance these guys finish those contracts there. No chance. Oh no, no way. Maybe he fell because it's only three years. Um, right, and he hates. My, actually, my guess, my guess is that they'll end up trading Reyes. I think Burley's just gonna be done in like two years and nobody will take him. Right. And then have mm-hmm. Bell finishes up. But, right. But so yeah, Cal- I, don't, I don't think this spending tons of money is going to work for the Marlins. <laughs> it's, it's such a good plan. It's foolproof. I mean, it, it, yeah. especially to bring in a guy at shortstop when you have a shortstop. I mean, that was a when good idea. When you already have a good shortstop, a good shortstop who also is definitely wants to be the highest paid player on his team is going to have problems not like being forced to move for somebody else making more money than him. Yeah, he's not sensitive at all, Hanley Ramirez. Nothing's no. going to bother him. A very emotionally mature player is <laughs> definitely right. the one you want to be asking to change positions for someone else. He's a, and, and not to talk to him about it. I mean, he's, he's a well-put-together kid. He is. He is. Yep. I, I, what could go wrong? With, and, this, and Patrick, lastly... To have Ozzy Guillen just at the helm here, what could go wrong? Nothing. I mean, it's, a, it's a team. They have tons of starting pitching depth. Definitely no problems there. They're all set for the whole whole next year. I mean, this is this is like a movie you'd pitch. No, I, I, I'm half expecting to hear an announcement about a reality show with the <laughs> Miami Marlins. <laughs> right? I, you know, I would probably watch that show. Actually, I would definitely I would, watch I, the I show. Would, I would watch the absolutely. team. Right. I would absolutely watch the reality show. If you can if we can get Ocho Cinco to somehow <laughs> cross over to the Miami Marlins this year, I'm they need watching center fielder. <laughs> you need a center fielder. <laughs> You're not a Lomo guy or what? You're not a So listen. No, they don't they don't have a center fielder. They need a center fielder. They literally don't. That's right. I know. Well, yeah. Put put Hanley Ramirez out there. I'm sure he'll go for that. Right. He'll love that too. Patrick <laughs> Let's let's move away from Jose Reyes because we're going to have to emotionally, and we only have you for about another six minutes. You've got to run and do a mostly mm-hmm. Mets podcast. So I, I I had asked you to come up with like sort of a top five that that you, me, and Bri could discuss uh, real quick uh, about the Mets, whether it be things to look for in twelve. Or, I gave you carte blanche, really. I I I, uh, I let you go where you wanted to go. Do you have anything? Do I have things that I think will happen in the next year, like? Yeah, like or what, I'm I'm just looking for a top five. I'm a top five guy. I'm like a high fidelity top five guy. You do like lists. Top five. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the the 2012 Mets will finish. I don't want to say last place because I don't think they'll finish in last place. But I'm not sure who's going to finish in last place in that division. In the NL East or in the universe? In the NL. In the <laughs> in the NL East. I think, I, I think I've been something told, will go wrong for someone. Right. Michael, my, Michael my, Kendrick has told us that they're going actually, to win 39 games. Okay, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, like right now, they're, a, they're like a high 70s win team. Um, I agree. There's lots of possibilities of improvement if, if Santana is 
anything close to Santana, or even just Santana's an average pitcher, and you get something out of Bay and Wright with the walls moved in and, and stuff, they could easily be a 500 team, you know, if you really want to be optimistic. Well, what they're not going to do is blow 21 games after the seventh inning this year. You would hope. Uh, no. Well, you'd hope. Uh, you'd hope. You'd hope. <laughs> we hope. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, I think I, I wrote that uh, it's like with the three relievers that they brought in now with Ramirez, Ramon Ramirez and John Rauch and Frank Francisco. It sounds silly. Um, I don't like those three guys. <laughs> a silly name. I, I already don't like him, and he hasn't blown any saves yet. But right. no, he's he's Benitez um, too. Yeah, that's the only the only person I have of him is Blue Jay fans on Twitter from last year, just mm-hmm. hating him so much. Very angry. Very angry. <laughs> yeah, but Patrick, they have those guys. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It doesn't. And it's like they have those guys that now, instead of having no good relief pitchers, it's like they have three okay good, like okayish relief pitchers. And that's still not a good bullpen. It's just like it, now they should have three guys in there instead of none. Hmm. All right. I'm going to throw this at you. We only have a couple minutes left with you. Mm-hmm. So here's where I stand. And Cal knows this. A couple weeks ago, uh, our last show, um, I, I decided that I am I am occupying the Wilpons. Okay. I am okay. unoccupy I am unoccupying City Field. Okay. Because, uh, because I have decided that Sandy Alderson, Ricciardi, uh, De Podesta, th- these are not the problem with the team. The problem with the team remains the ownership and the fact that they have a special dispensation, and I know that's papal, but they have special dispensation from Bud Selig. Uh, and and three uh, or four teams are broke in the in Major League Baseball, and only three of them are getting new owners, and we're not one of them. So uh, so taking the ownership aside and dealing with what uh, uh, Sandy Alderson has to deal with and his sweater vest has to deal with, okay, I think okay. I think what he's doing for 2012 is very smart in the sense that the bullpen was the major problem. Now, you guys get yep. into this on mostly Mets, like sixth in run scored, right, in the NL? Yep, excellent offense last year. Right. First, they had a pretty good offense. They got on base a lot. They didn't necessarily hit a lot but, of home runs. They didn't. But they power. scored runs. They scored runs. Yeah, they they moved the lineup along. Exactly. Uh, you blew twenty-one leads. We keep hearing this. You know, twenty-one leads after the seventh inning, etc., etc., etc. He can't afford a position player. He can't afford a starting pitcher, <laughs> and nobody um, would give Mark Burley four years and fifty-eight million dollars. Yeah. Um. So do the best you can with the bullpen while not throwing $12 million a year at a Madsen and getting uh, an Andres Torres, which I think is an upgrade over Pagan, even just emotionally. I think Sandy Allison came out of the winter meetings doing the best he could for the 12 team, losing Reyes. How do you feel about that? I think yeah, I think that's accurate. I think uh... – with Reyes gone, I think obviously right now on paper they're a, a worse team than they were last year when they had you know a half season of Beltran, a half season of Francisco Rodriguez, and then I guess a half season of Jose Reyes too, really. And so those are gone going into next year, and they've just sort of added some pitchers. So they're probably worse on paper than they were going into last year, but the hope they get Santana back in the new bullpen. And what he's done is he has made what he has now and made it better, and we'll see how the rest of the winter goes. So yeah, I think coming out of the winter meetings, Sandy Olson did a did a pretty good job in the winter meetings. 
uh, Patrick, last thing for me before before we let you go. Um, it's it's pretty recent. The whole Reyes thing is is still kind of raw. The wound is still open. Yeah. So we're all still pretty emotional about it. So it's kind of tough to see the plan that Alderson and company are kind of implementing here and have faith that in a couple of years this team is going to be good. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Um, but I wanted to get your feeling on it, Patrick. Can, are you able to see what they're trying to do here? And do you have faith in this group that they will be able to rebuild this sooner rather than later? And by sooner, I mean, you know, in the next two years rather than the next three or four years. Because we do. We do. That's how I, that's where we stand on it. I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll say I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that they're certainly on a better track they were than they were under Omar Minaya, even if the, the ownership situation isn't uh, ideal right now. Um, at the same time, I'll just say I'm cautiously optimistic because it's, I think they're doing a good job. Uh, uh, I guess they're long. I'm not entirely sure what the long-term plan is. I guess they're just rebuilding and and uh, waiting for the pitchers to arrive. The, you know, the guys they have in, in Double A and Single A right now, and then I guess that'll be when the next great Mets team is. But I'm also cautiously optimistic because it is sort of the Moneyball Mets, and right now it almost looks like they're just trying to use the kind of like the 2001 model in 2011, and I'm hoping that that still works. Like, that's enough now. <laughs> or maybe they have other innovations that we don't know about. But well, it, doesn't, they, it doesn't necessarily seem like they're doing anything super creative at the moment. So that's, I'll just you know, say I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know what, Patrick? I want to. I, I know you got to run, and I know you got a movie premiere, and you got to get to Grauman's. But uh, next week or the week after, we want to bring you back on because Cal and I – and we're going to talk about it a little bit in the rest of the podcast, have figured out what Sandy's new market efficiency is. We figured it out. Really? Okay. Yes. It's it's mental. Okay. It's 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 can you play in New York? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> as he's, I, much, as, he's much smarter than us, but I think we figured it out. As I as I bring up the There Will Be Blood soundtrack again. <laughs> I got all Paul Thomas Anderson at the end there. That was good. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, you got to run. Go do your podcast. Uh, thank you so much. All right. for this. Thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Happy holidays, Patrick. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. You too. Thanks. Bye. All Thanks, right. Patrick. Cal, this music is, is staggering. So good. So good. I, 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 I don't know if I'm in the emotional state to deal with how powerful this is. This is what I played while I was watching the Reyes press conference. That's how I feel about the Reyes era. Right. That's not it. That's that's not what I played. I was playing the There Will Be Blood. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I, can, I see where this is going. Look, I'm turning it off. I'll tell you why. Why? Let's wrap this up in a neat little bow, Brian. I'm very upset. Well, let's 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 talk about this, Steve. What are you upset about? I'll tell you why I'm upset. Because I think we're all upset, and I think a lot of us don't really know why we're upset. We're just not happy, right? So I want to I want to know what it is that's making you so upset. 
if you know. Most of the problem lies in our ownership as a Met fan. So we know this. So I, I've tried this week, as they've lost Jose Reyes, I've tried to separate the two things. And I've been talking to McWalters a lot. I've been talking to other big Met fans a lot, Cal. And and most intelligent Met fan, and this is what I got into a fight with Ruben about on Twitter, Adam Ruben. If you're out there, I'm sure you're not, but I don't care. And and Vaccaro, Mike Vaccaro from the Post wrote a perfect article about what Met fans are going through. It's not about Sandy Alderson, Cal. It's not about Jose Reyes and $110 million. That's not what it's about. It's about the Wilpons owning this team, period, period. It's about them being allowed to continue to own a team when they are under criminal investigation for fraudulent use of the resources that the Mets provided, under criminal investigation for using the Metropolitans and the baseball club and their finances as a means for investment and gambling on the Mets. And I know other owners do it, but they lost and they should be made to pay for it. And, and how the Mets have been allowed to go, what is it, $25, $30 million in debt to Major League Baseball and default on that loan and be $250 million in debt all over the place as a baseball club. And that the Wilpons have been allowed to keep the team. That's what this is all about, Brian. It has nothing to do with Sandy Alderson or Jose Reyes or David Wright. Or all. It's all lip service. It's all sports talk fodder. It's all about the owners. Scott Boris came out and said it today. Did you see Boris's quote, Cal? Remind me. I did see it. He, okay. he made a comment about the Mets and the Dodgers. He made a comment about the Mets being – usually they're in the steak section. Right now they're in the fruit and nuts section. Mets and Dodgers, yeah. But there's a good business plan for the Mets. There's a good network for the Mets. And right now, because of all the made-off crap, they can't operate as they should be operating, as a big market club. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something else here. And I don't know if it's been talked about. I haven't seen it, or if I have, I'm stealing it. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily think the Wilpons' financial difficulties are all a result of Madoff. I don't, no, I don't, no, I don't, be. I don't think that they operated this franchise properly or efficiently all these years. I think they've lost a lot of money on the team that has nothing to do with Madoff. I mean, it's very easy. To, it's very easy to hide behind the Madoff thing and say, well, we're in this, you know, we're in this predicament because of of all of the money we lost when we invested with him. But how about all the money you lost when you made bad investments in the team? You know, the Mo Vaughns. Well, he had insurance on him, but. Uh, Bobby Bonilla. They're paying Bobby Bonilla still. You know, all of the, the their their model for their contract model in the late '90s and early 2000s was all of this deferred money. You know, we'll pay. We'll we'll deal with it 20 years down the line. Madoff or no Madoff, that, is that really a smart business move? But you you know why they deferred it, Brian? Because they took what they would be paying out at that time and invested it with Madoff. Right. So then it is all Madoff. Brian, I want my team back. 
I don't know if you're going to get it back anytime I soon. I team back. I really don't. Um, I want my team back. The only way this is worse is if it's still Omar Minaya running this team. That's correct. If, well, if that, it's Minaya well, and Bernazard, and they're the ones that are in charge of rebuilding this. You have to look at it from the standpoint of, at the very least, as a Met fan. And you know what, Cal? They're embarrassed right now. I got a text from McWalters today, who's you know a buddy of ours who's in sports sales, and is a huge Mets fan, huge Mets fan. Gets kicked off of like the DailyNews.com for fighting with Yankee fans. I mean, that's the kind of Mets fan that he is. He's fiery. He is a fi- He's an Irishman. He's fiery. I'm not mm-hmm. casting aspersions. No, just saying. Kevin Patrick, James. Very Irish gets into it on the you know and he, and he got laughed at in a meeting today sales meeting laughed he got at. laughed at for being a meta yeah well that's the common reaction everybody thinks it's funny laughed at it's hysterical it's a good time it's really funny I do feel like we should have a crossover episode right now with flood and mostly Mets like we should totally call into them right now I don't know if they I don't know how we would do that. Anyway, uh, Patrick Flood, Mostly Mets uh, blog, Mostly Mets podcast. It's on all their blogs. Uh, it's very good. Toby Hyde, him and Ted Berg. We've had Ted on the show a number of times. Patrick's great. We we need like two hours with Patrick. You know what, Toby? Let me let me bring up Toby Hyde for a second. Bring up Toby Hyde. Toby Hyde handled the Angel Pagan trade. Magnificent. Very, very interestingly. Yeah. He, he immediately denounced it. Right. Upon hearing about it, yep. hated it. Everybody liked it. He hated it. Hated the fact that they were trading Pagan and bringing in Torres. Hated it. And then he th- and then he took the night to think about it. And the next day, he didn't back down from his comments of nope. the day before. But he but he very logically explained that he thought about it, and upon further review, wasn't necessarily a bad trade. You bring up a magnificent point, Cal. Something you would never see a beat writer do. Well, that's that's where I'm going with this. Yeah. No, you know. Been, well, you know, we've been doing the show two years, brother. I know where you're going. Yeah, I mean, I know been... where it's going to happen. You see, I some, saw that. Some people. That's right. Yeah. I I only I got I got to just set the course, and you can see where we're going. I can. I'm see like it. a GPS. Cal Stradamus. You're absolutely right. You had guys tweeting from the from the winter meetings this week, and I swear, and I told, I said this to you, instant message. I, it sounded like they were anything that they heard, anywhere in the hotel lobby, they were just tweeting as, as a as a rumor. Yeah, heard this. Albert Pujols is talking to someone from Baltimore. And then, they, but then they wouldn't back down. You know, like they wouldn't correct it. You know, there was one point where. Uh, there was one point where one guy tweeted, the Mets are looking to trade John Neese. And within seconds, another one said, the Mets are not looking to trade John Neese. And then with seconds later, a different person, the Mets are looking to, I mean, like they were just contradicting themselves. And the thing, the whole point of this is, is with the bloggers. And, and that's kind of like home base for us. Our home thesis of the show is the relationship and the dynamic between beat writers, the old guard of the guys that follow the team and write for the newspapers, versus the new guard of the bloggers, the fans 
the ones that write about the team, not for the team, but about the team as the voice of the fan and are a little bit more emotional about it. And a blogger could say the exact same thing as a beat writer. And we as fans are going to give the blogger the benefit of the doubt because they're one of us. And the beat writer is not going to get any benefit of the doubt, even if they're trying to be funny or they're trying to make a joke, because you get that a lot. You get a lot of snark disguised as a joke, and then it's, well, you're just being sensitive. You can't take a joke. They've lost all the benefit of the doubt because of the way they've beaten us down. It's a very interesting aspect of the winter meetings that we just witnessed. And, you know, the winter meetings on Twitter and the winter meetings with the social media and stuff like that, where I would see something from uh, one of the bloggers, from a Toby Hyde, from a, you know, Ted Berg is just funny. Ted just gives funny, you know, stuff. And so does Patrick uh, Flood. But uh, there's almost more credence. You're absolutely right, Cal. There's almost more credence, and we've talked about it a million times on this show. We've talked about it a million times about what we want to be and what we pay attention to now. And just going through the winter meetings and the Jose Reyes signing and the Pujols signing and the C.J. Wilson signing and the, the big free agents and stuff like that, like we, we – you tend to go to – I go to Mets blog before I go to ESPN, way before, way before because that's going to be information guided – Matt Cerrone with Mets blog is going to be guided towards my team and also without wise-assery. Or without an agenda or without uh, the Mets should have done this and should have done this and should have done this. But they didn't, only the Mets. And if it is only the Mets, it's hysterical. It's not, it's not stupid. And they, and they do it because they care about this team. That's right. It's not because they're trying to, they're trying to be funny or right. trying to be entertaining. Or... I tell you, I, Cal, I could not have been more taken aback by Vicaro, Mike Vaccaro's article in the New York Post this week about the Mets and the Wilpons. And uh, I, I, I've liked Mike Vaccaro in the Post, in the New York Post, for a long time. I've had my problems with him, uh, but I've also liked him for a long time, Bry. I think he's a fair guy. I think he he writes he he can often find the voice of the fan to write about more so than most I think way more so he he writes about the Jets a lot he writes about the Mets a lot and he wrote an article the day after Jose Reyes signed uh, from the Met fan point of view of like look we know what it's about we're not stupid the Met fan is not stupid. Or at least most of us are. You, the beat reporters keep telling us we are, and we're not. We're not stupid. We understand why Jose Reyes did not sign or was not offered $106 million. It's because the Wilpons can't afford that in two years. They can't afford to have Jose Reyes on the, on the hook for $22 million in two years because they don't know if they're going to own the team. Okay, so we get that. And Vaccaro wrote… The Wilpons have done nothing to earn this trust that they're going to rebuild the team the right way with no money. And they've done nothing since they've been sole owners to earn that trust. And on top of it, we deserve better in New York City. Met fans deserve better ownership in New York City. We deserve better. 
when you have a lucrative network and when you have a lucrative new stadium. We deserve better. We deserve better owners. Period. So, I agree. Look, I'm gonna. I'm. I. I can't. I can't. I'm, I, that's it. I'll yeah. say one. La- I'll say one last thing. <laughs> just you just can't quit it, can you? <clears throat> I like the moves that Sandy made. I'm sorry. I like the moves. Let's talk about the moves. Let's 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 get back into baseball for a little bit and talk about the baseball moves that were made this week. I would love to. Okay, let's talk about the. We have we have three minutes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, kidding, totally kidding. What? Are, are really? Are we done at ten thirty? No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. Oh, I, well, I don't know. You control this ship. I don't know what you've got. Wow. And now I'm Captain Kirk. I, well, I listen with all due respect. Can you call me Captain Kirk? I can, Captain Kirk. That'd be great. Just for the rest of the show. Hey, speaking of Captain Kirk, you you were really excited about the possibility of Kirk's Neuenheis coming up. I just love that he has a built-in nickname. He does. He does. And Sandy Alderson even talked about him this week. I and guess said, Captain Kirk. Well, I don't know if he called him Captain Kirk. <laughs> he did. He he was very sarcastic with the whole box of chocolates thing this week on a number of, of occasions. By the way, magnificent. Both times, right? You heard. You yep. heard. With Pujols, too, he used the, the the comment. Must have been a big box of chocolates. Right. Uh, which, of course, every you know gets taken out of context, and you know Sandy Sandy's just being a wise guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because 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 that's what he is. Right. Um, so baseball, baseball. Yeah. Well, let's let's not only Mets. Let's talk everybody. All right. I wanted I want to just talk with the Mets first. Okay. Because then we can wrap up the Mets and then move on to a more global approach to. Baseball. <laughs> Global approach. Yeah, that's that's what we're going to take here. Can you call it Globo? Globo approach? Globo approach. Right. The Probo. Let me ask. <laughs> First of all, James Brown in Madden 95. Um, Probo. Look, all, you, I, all, all I know is Globo approach is a company name on a make in a make-believe movie. <laughs> It's like, I work for Globo Approach, and you go into the office, right. and you see the big thing. Yeah, you got the thing on the wall. and the, yeah. Right. I see stuff like that in Manhattan all the time. There was There's an electric company, and it's called, like, Joe's Electric. And I actually took a picture of the van one day. I took a picture of the this, like, van that looks like a Con Ed van, Cal. Uh-huh. It's like a big van. Oh gosh, I wish I could think of the name of the electric company. And I I texted it and sent it to PJ with the caption that said, "Tell me this is not like a movie prop from like a Batman movie, <laughs> oh, like Acme Electric." That's exactly it. Exactly it. <laughs> but it was real and it was on the street in Manhattan. And oh, I took funny. a picture of it, and I'm like, "Tell me, like the Joker's not in there, like mixing a potion." <laughs> it was a total like movie electric company. It was like PJ Electric, Oxycore. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Incorporated. Yeah. And there's these, there's these vans in Manhattan up by where I work on 47th and Third Cal, and I take pictures of them. I'm like somewhere like Burgess Meredith is in there, like as the penguin, like. <laughs> 
was like it was like Jones Electric or something. It was ridiculous. Something something real generic and oh. created. It's fantastic. Anyway, Mets moves go. Okay, so the two relievers that they signed back to back, the 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 free agent signings of John Rauch and Frank Francisco. Why has nobody why has nobody brought up the story of Frank Francisco throwing a folding chair into the crowd they during did. a Rangers brawl? Did they? They did. Okay, I missed that. I don't like him, Steve. I don't like him. Help me out. I know you do. It's not that I like him. I just I, I well, think you like the, I, you like the moves. I like the moves. I I have a bigger I have a less of a problem with Frank Francisco because I think he throws hard. I think he can be a closer. I think he's a nutbag. Great, you need to be one to be a closer. And the chair incident, by the way, was involved like a teammate and a stillborn child, and like there's there's justification there for throwing a chair. Yes, for throwing a chair at a fan who is making fun of his teammate's stillborn child. Okay. All right. So I'm not saying it's right. You got to have composure, but you can never really throw a chair at a fan. Right. Unless that fan is making fun of your teammates still. I I see I see your point. Just I see. Okay. Okay. It was it was emotional. I'm not it's fair. Using. I'll give you that. But I have a bigger problem with the Roush. Who every reporter says is the biggest jerk of all time. <laughs> now look, we 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 teased this a little bit with Patrick, with Patrick Flood. We tickled the chorus a little bit with it, as we say in the band industry. When you're in a band, Cal, mm-hmm. do that. You tease, you, the, you tease the the bridge, right? So you Wait. got a, you got a song, you got verse, chorus, verse, and then you you got to put a bridge in. Of course, if you're the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> you have to put a bridge in. I mean, it's obligatory, you know. Right. I once I had a buddy cow. <laughs> my favorite line of all time. This is how he summed up the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Say somebody bumps in a flea on the street, right? Says, "How's the new album coming?" And flea says, "Ah, you know, same soup, just reheating it. <laughs> same album, twenty. Same album, twenty-seven times. And they know it." There's a, there's a bridge. There's heroin. Right. Uh, I don't know. That's it. Ah, you know, same soup, just reheating it. Don't worry, people eat it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way. Yeah, what's crazy about that is you have to have released your album, your first album, what, 25 years? That's right. Ago with 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 uh, GNR. Oh, Guns N' Roses getting in. G and F and R getting in. Wow. You know, it's it's you lose track of time, but twenty five years, it's nineteen eighty six. Yep. Well uh, my brother and I had a big debate. We'll bring PJ in eventually. <laughs> By the way, PJ's microphone cow just lit up in huge ways. <laughs> when we started talking music. Yeah, he's definitely I heard, the chili, I heard the chili peppers. I'm sorry. Okay. Hi PJ. Gonna sing a song about California. All about living on the West Coast. I don't know what I say, but I say I live again. Los Angeles. Bass. <laughs> Million dollars. Hall of Fame. Brilliant. <laughs> 
shooting up bar. <laughs> Wish I didn't do so much heroin. Oh, but my man. license plate say California, California, California. Any other words you want to write, Anthony? Anything? I I think that's it. I think we got it. My zipper code begins with a nine. Thing about drugs couldn't be any finer. I don't wear a shirt because I like to be naked. Ladies and gentlemen, red hot chili peppers. People Hall don't know that I'm a bisexual. California. Bow, fuck down. Bow, bow. Fuck down. Million dollars. Rock and roll Hall of Fame. The red hot chili peppers. Broken right. down right there. Uh, hey, Paul. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome into the show. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I did a little crack before I came on. And that's so did so did Anthony Kiedis. Um <laughs> It's uh it's good to have you on, Paul. We Gotta wear a talk. sock up on my wiener. Gonna play on the MTV. Sorry. Let me ask you a question while we have you. <laughs> <laughs> this this rock and roll hall of fame class. With Guns N' Roses, who I had a huge right. debate. I had a huge debate with Scott about huge debate. Aren't they Aren't they cheating by a year? Eighty six. Well, not only that, but Guns N' Roses three albums. Really, is that what we're doing now? Well, you could tabulate Scott, record sales to justify it, I guess. But I mean, Scott claimed five, and I said, if you're mixing the spaghetti incident in, into this, right. we're gonna have to sit down. Right, if we're going to count demos, then Moby's had 46 <laughs> albums. <laughs> if we're counting the November Rain bootleg. <laughs> but uh, G&R and Red Hot Chili Peppers, really? Is that where we are, PJ? When they started the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the stoners that, that started it were definitely believing that rock and roll is going to live forever. And rock and roll has kind of petered and leveled and <laughs> just become a thing in the background like everything else. Right. And so, we're, you know, it's the, the herd is naturally thinning. They've got to start taking who they can get, taking who's going to show up, taking who's survived, and taking who's got name, you know, got to get somebody in there with, uh, with name relevance. But it's not recognition. It's, but the rock and roll moniker doesn't really apply anymore to these artists, right? In some cases. The Bee Gees, I think, were in recently. <laughs> I'll smack you around. You put the Bee Gees down. Hold on a second. No, no, no. I'm not putting... I'm not... No, no, no. Great songwriters. Holy smoke. They were magnificent songwriters. But uh, rock and roll but, Hall of Fame? But do they belong in Cleveland? Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's know. weird. I, I, like, like, look at the artists today, TJ. When you there when is you, no disco you, hall of fame, and it would be a shame for them to get no recognition. I mean, who would go to a disco hall of fame? I, yeah, I know, but I, Madonna is Madonna Maybe. rock and roll. Maybe. Maybe. 
It's hard. I, I don't know. My I, old I mean, college housemate, uh, Becky, I think her house is probably the, the Disco Hall of Fame. <laughs> the literal Disco Hall of Fame? Yeah, I think probably. <laughs> she, liked her the, she liked her the disco. What's not to like? They just introduced a disco channel on, on, on XM radio, too. Studio 54 radio. Excellent. Oh. Fantastic. Excellent. It really, I mean, it, it's it's terrific. So, uh, PJ, what are you up to tonight? Steve, Steve has stepped out of the room, so. Well, well, you're not. You, you, you may not believe this, but um, I was j- just getting a, a, a remix done of "Groove Is in the Heart." I was doing. I don't know why this came up, um, but uh, I had to do a quick, like a dance remix edit of "Groove Is in the Heart." Wait, uh, for somebody, what you know the the D light song? Oh yeah, no, I know. But what would a dance edit of Groove Is in the Heart sound? Wouldn't it just be the same song? Um, I had to I had to remove the rap. It was, oh. it was I guess it was it was hard for the dancers to do much during the rap and kind of sew together the more groovy parts. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, how did, you know, it wasn't. How did it turn out? Uh, you know, it sounds pretty much like Groove is in the heart. <laughs> like, like you say, it's not much. It's not going to alter too much about it. <laughs> so, so Steve, PJ was talking about doing a dance remix. Yes. Of the song Groove is in the heart. Yes. With and Bootsy, with Bootsy Collins, do we have Bootsy? But isn't that kind of like a? Uh, that's, yeah, that's why I couldn't come on redundant. the air. Right. Yeah, Steve, that's why I couldn't come on the air was because I was actually doing that. I had someone looking over my shoulder. And uh Yes, I see. That's a lot yeah. of pressure. It's well this known is... that I mo- I moonlight. I mean I only work six hours a week, but it's concurrent. The two things I do <laughs> happen at exactly the same time. <laughs> PJ, we're so happy to uh have you back on the show. We yeah. wanted to get, you know, before we start, we're going to talk about football in a second and baseball and stuff. Um, Let's do some more band impressions first. <laughs> one of them, well, we have that whole, that's that's an episode where PJ and I do our, Cal, here's the thing. PJ and I, for years while we were in the band, uh, always had, uh, it was one line to describe a band. Okay. Okay, so what what PJ just did with the Chili Peppers knocked it out of the park. But it was usually to sort of make fun of the band. Like, uh, Peach, you gotta, give you it, gotta encapsulate it. Right. Encapsulate a band in one line while making fun of them. Right. PJ, PJ for example, give Brian Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> Can you just do Because it's important. You start whispering because it's important. You keep on whispering because it's important. You keep on whispering because it's important. And it's a lot of because it's getting important. It's getting louder because it's getting important. And I'm scared because it's getting important. And I'm scared because it's getting important. My God. <laughs> the idea. That's you know what I'm saying? The idea. I just broke my hand. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to go immediately to the hospital. Shall Do I you? The, the Chris Gurnell? Soundgarden. The Soundgarden, right. I can't do it because Wesley's asleep. I can't do it. Should I do it? I would love that. (laughs) 
It's just, I mean, that, 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 that's a really short. That's just four words, right? Right. I'm screaming really loud. Heroin. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like, that's like every song. Then we Chris. know we're talking about Chris Cornell. <laughs> that That's like spot on. That's terrific. And then the Tori Amos, uh, Peach. <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. Cal- I just, it's, fu- it's funny because you've got these catalogs. This is, this is what's yes, cracking. Oh, oh, so these are ones that he's done. See, so you just done. calling him up like, okay, let's 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 take out the greatest hits, right? Tori Amos. How do we sing a song about rape? I'd like to sing a fast song about rape. Yeah, right. And and vagina is mixed in. Don't forget vagina. Oh, I forgot. I forgot the vagina's line. Right. I like the piano playing nicely. This is a song about my vagina. <laughs> that was the Tori Amos song. <laughs> this is just meant to... And then the, the Pearl Jam. The Pearl Jam was... Uh, I wrote in a two-day <laughs> song in A's okay. I went to D. It was unexpected. <laughs> Back to A. Right. We cow. We had all these. We had all oh, these. We had all these. Several bands. PJ, I, I love you. I love that you're on Ready to Unload tonight. Well, where you know, where else would I be? I'm not raising I, my kids. How do you done? How do you done? How do you feel they're, about? Uh, they're cooked, I, baby. Boy. I want to throw a sports thing at you. Um. So, oh, Artie, Artie, I have I have something to say. Artie Moreno uh, bought. Well, hold on, stop. PJ's got something to say. I'm sorry. Right. Let the bishop speak. A little something to say. All I was going to say was, in response to the the mainstreams, uh, it's it's really been alarming to me that it doesn't seem like any of the ones that I've heard are batting an eye about this one-third of a billion dollars being dispensed on these two players. I mean, no, it's, nobody, a third of a, it's a third of a billion. I, I, I think that Major League Baseball has gotten away from the common man. <laughs> what what is there to relate to? It, it, it's bigger than rock and roll. It's it's you know it's bigger than the entertainment industry. Headley, Headley, I think you've taken a good leap from your good senses. If someone announced that Brad Pitt signed a three hundred million dollar five picture deal, they would shoot him. <laughs> and that's what I was just going to ask you, Peach. You know, one of the most galling. I things- thought you were talking about Rita Moreno. <laughs> No, I I often do. I love her. Um, I always get her confused with Cheetah Rivera. Everybody does, Cal. It's okay. Right. Okay. Right. Now, Rita Moreno, better dancer. I think also Cheetah Rivera and Rita Moreno used to get confused with each other. And be like, am right. I you? And then there was Charo. Well, look. Let's and leave then Charo. there was Charo. That's <laughs> <not> good. <laughs> and then there was Love Boat. Uh, then came Maud. Peach, Peach, and Cal, both of you guys. My favorite thing out of the winter meetings today, Albert Pujols signs uh, a $254 million 10-year deal with with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. 
And uh, it, here's what cracks me up out of this. Artie Moreno, who's the owner of the Angels, uh, bought the team in 2003 for, I think, around 70. 100, $170 million. No, I thought it was just 70 No, no, it was $170 million. Oh, okay. I thought it was and, and, and he just paid $72 million more for one player. Yeah. And that was only eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Forget so, Occupy Wall Street. Go Occupy City Field. Yeah, well, I want to Occupy City Field. But but you know what I'm saying, Pige? Like, that's – you're talking about the gratuitous level of contract and of, of where we've gone. Like, A-Rod signed a 10-year $250 million – or $252 million deal years ago with uh, the Rangers. I think it was 2003, Cal, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, 2000. 2001. It was 2001. after the 2000 season. Yeah. The Mets were going to bid on him. Right, you're absolutely right. And but he got 24 plus 1, right, with Steve Phillips. But they didn't make him an offer. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Coincidence? Sounds familiar. <laughs> no, but, uh, but uh, A-Rod signed uh, Peach in 2001 a 10-year, $252 million deal. And now, 10 years later, we're right back there again. And that deal did not work. That deal did not work. You know what, guys? I was talking to Dan about this tonight. I was talking to our buddy Dan Antonella about this tonight before the show. And we were talking about the idea of no trade clauses and because the Marlins – otherwise, they'd have Albert Pujols right now. They didn't give him a no trade clause because they offered him like $275 million over 10 years. More than the Angels did. And I want to get you guys' take on this. The idea that, you know, take the no trade clause out of the equation. But the idea of CC Sabathia's deal, which was seven years at 165 million ish, but with an opt out after four years, is the way you should go if you're signing a long term deal. Give him that parachute. You, you can get out. If you don't like the city, you can get out. You don't need a no-trade clause. And, you know, CeCe came to New York, liked it, decided that he wants to stay here. Um, so he threatened to opt out and maybe get more money, and he wound up getting, what, Cal, an extra $6 million? I, I know, it's laughable to say an extra $6 million. Ah, 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 ah. But let's talk in the parameters of what we're talking about. He got, I got an, extra, an extra six million to mix this delight thing today. No, but you know what I'm saying, Pete? Like he <laughs> he only in the parameters of a 160 million dollar contract. He threatened to opt out. He got an extra six million dollars. He stayed where he wanted to stay. The Yankees uh, had the option to get out. That's the way to do it on a 10 year contract. Have the opt out instead of the trade clause. To me. Like, fine. You don't want to give me a no-trade clause? Fine. Give me an opt-out at five years. And if I don't like it here and I'm miserable, I've made $100 million and I can leave. You know, and go to a city that I want to live in. Now, CC decided it's great to be with a contender in, in a Tony, you know, New Jersey suburb. <laughs> the Tony, New Jersey suburb, right. <laughs> and he likes it here. With yeah. handsome lawns and handsomer exactly. women. Well manicured. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you can I don't know if you can take the money that these guys are making and, and think about it realistically. And and you know what? 
Pige, Brian, and I as uh, a firm. Are you saying don't think about it realistically because it's never gonna, it's never going to be fully paid out. No, it will be. That's the difference in base. Mm-hmm. Oh, they'll make every penny. It seems to me like they're 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 making these tremendous, absurd, ballooning payments to these players in an effort to like indenture them. You know, ten years. Yeah. Cr- craziness. Yeah. It's just- well, what, well, refresh my memory, Steve. How did how did Arod get out of his contract with Texas? He demanded a trade, right? No, he was traded, and the Yankees paid out the rest of that contract. Yeah, but the whole point was, why why did Texas trade him? Didn't he demand a trade, and then Boston and the Yankees were the only two that gotten? I don't know if it was a demand or or I I don't remember, Bry. I just know that he needed to be traded. They picked up the contract. There was an opt out after seven years in that contract. Uh, right. And he re-upped with the Yankees, and the Yankees are on the hook for another $85 million or whatever it is. That's ridiculous. Uh, you, you, you can't talk about the money. What you can talk about is this, PJ. And Brian. The Angels sign Albert Pujols for $70 million more than the franchise was worth. And he's gonna he's gonna get every penny of it. It's guaranteed. And then they went and signed C.J. Wilson about twenty minutes later for another hundred million dollars or whatever it was. It was only seventy something. Oh my, my bad. My yeah, bad. I mean, they were fiscally responsible. It's tough to be straight edge for life there. So you're saying seven. the price of T-shirts, like and him. the price of hot dogs is gonna go up? I don't care for C.J. Wilson. No. Nope. Well, that's because he took uh, he, he took, took Jose Reyes to task. Yeah, under the bus. But let me ask you something. Now, if he were to take him to task, wouldn't we love C.J. Wilson? No, I wouldn't love him. <laughs> I don't. I. I. Because I, 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 I had no problem with what Reyes did at the time. My my funniest thing about the uh, the Angels throwing out uh, three hundred and twenty million dollars, like they did today, in guaranteed contracts. Is that Yankee fans got very upset? <laughs> they did. Why did they get upset? Because it's not the Yankees throwing that money around, right? That's right. I heard Sweeney Murdy today on the fans say that that's fiscally irresponsible. Who does she think she is driving around in that Navigator? <laughs> Who does she think she is? She's got a fat ass. That one. That's why. <laughs> it turned into a Sopranos episode. That's right. <laughs> She may think she's big time, but I'm telling you, there's no leather. She didn't get the leather. They're being fiscally irresponsible. This from a team who signed A.J. Burnett, CeCe Sabathia, and Mark Teixeira in one offseason and spent a half a billion dollars in three players. The cash is flowing like wine. But the Angels (laughs) are being irresponsible. That's not even bringing into consideration the $52 million they spent on Keigawa and stuck him in the minor leagues for three years. Look, it went well with Keigawa. Do you think he bought dinner for everybody in the minor leagues every day of his life? Had to. Had to. He would have had no choice, right? He had a $52 million in his pocket. 
He would have had no choice. No choice. Like, he's going to ride the bus with them. Like, look, I'm in double A. I'm in Branton Wilkesbury with Kei Agawa, and we're out at a bar. I'm like, on you, big guy. There's a good Denny's there. <laughs> and you know what? I'm getting moons over Miami. Twice. That's right. If I'm out, Agawa. Moons over Miami. Miami, yes, that's correct. Right. My, uh, that, you know, that's that's Reyes. That's Reyes. All right, Pete, we're, we're going to go talk about sports for a couple minutes, and then we'll bring you back. Can we do that? I'm going to go take my pants off. Excellent. Cal, a couple things. I really fear that's what he's going to do. I know. There's no doubt his pants will be off. Let's go. Let's go around the horn. So we've we've covered the baseball. We've well, I like that. It's like a, it's like a baseball segment around the horn. Right. We've done enough uh, of the baseball, though. Don't uh, you think? Don't you think uh, we've done that? Wait, 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 wait. Here we go. Let's go around the horn. I think uh, some teams have gotten better. But why does it feel like only the Angels and the Marlins did anything? Because they're the only ones that did. It's not going to all shake out until we see teams on paper. Like, the Pirates signed Eric Bedard. Like, that could work out really well. And Nate McLeod. And they signed Nate McLeod back. They brought him back. Good. The prodigal son comes back. He returns. The girl with the curl. Yankees always liked him. Roaming the... uh, Hollow grounds of, uh, of uh, PNC Park. The Yankees always won him. Being center field for the Yankees. You know what, Cal? I think it would have been a better player. If you played for the Yankees? I'm, I'm going to do one last thing on the baseball, and then I really want to get to football. Because it is yeah. football season. And that is... Uh, and then but I we do love hot stove. We love hot love stove. Love hot stove. Love hot stove. But one last thing. I'm going to say it again. Four teams are bankrupt. Three teams get new owners. It's almost like Thunderdome. (laughs) Okay, four men enter, three men leave with new owners. And we don't. Well, if, if if you line those four owners, those four previous owners up against a wall, and you ask Bud Selig to pick his favorite person against that wall like he was in gym class. Right. Right? He's not going to necessarily pick the best player or the best owner, oh, but he is going to pick his friend. He loves the Wilpons. And and that's clearly what's happening here. The best part about Vaccaro's article in the, uh, the other day, Vaccaro's article in the Post, was the last couple of sentences, which is, Selig will retire soon. And whoever the new commissioner is, it's going to be Lucy. You got some splaining to do. By the way, Brian. Yeah. I think uh, Flood wanted in on the Memorial Day action for me buying Mets paraphernalia or merchandise. How do you know that? He didn't give any indication that he knew what we were talking about. I can tell. He thinks that you will or you will not be able to make it to Memorial Day. 
He knows there's no chance I make it to Memorial Day without running. So, so you you are uh, on an island here. You're, it's you against everybody. It really is. It's you against the field. That's correct. Essentially. That's right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens when April comes around and the weather starts getting nicer and somebody's got two shiny tickets to City Fields. For opening day, is what you're saying? Do you have them? Uh, no, I don't have them. I'm just saying, do you have them? I don't, but I'm sure they'll be available. Might you have them? I might. Because we went, because we went to opening day last year. We did. wasn't wasn't a successful. I venture. thought we had, I thought we had a lovely time. It was fun. They just didn't win. I thought we had a nice time though. We had a very nice time, and um, who is it out? Who uh, Tyler Clippard? <laughs> Tyler Clippard had a nice that day too. Not not a fan of the show. No, he hasn't. He hasn't listened since that day. You know what? You said something that day, and then we're going to move on to football, I promise. But you said something that day that was magnificently uh, not uh, prescient, but uh, you didn't predict that Jose Reyes would be gone. We knew on opening day this was going to happen. You said to me, you turned to me as he struck out against Tyler Clippert. Did he strike out or did he pop up? I think he popped up with the uh, time Runner on third on base. Third base. Right. I said it before it happened. That's correct. And you said, this is what I won't miss when he's gone. It's because he's not a clutch player. And uh, you know what? You go go listen to the Mostly Mets guys, which I strongly recommend anyway. And uh, the numbers will bear that out. And then the and the last thing for me on Reyes, this is kind of like the final unload on Reyes for the <laughs> All right. Last thing for me on Reyes is um we watched him grow up and we watched him come to the team. We did. He, he joined a a much maligned team in 2003. They were in the midst of a of another one of their negative runs. Terrible that's the way I can put it. Horrible team. 2003, he was really the only reason to watch. 19 years old, came up, hit a home run in Anaheim. We watched him grow, and, and, and we, we kind of went through everything that he went through, growing from a 19-year-old to uh, you know now to the prime of his career. We went through all the injuries. We saw all of the immaturity with Willie Randolph, but we saw all of the antics and, and the fun that he had and you know, we really, uh, you would be hard pressed to find a Met fan that didn't really have a special place in his heart for Jose Reyes. He really, you know, he really ingratiated himself into our family. And now he's gone. And I can't, I, I just can't help but think about how we're all going to feel when he comes back home in a different uniform. April 27th. Do we cheer for him? Is he, a, is he an ingrate? What do we do? Ready to unload. Was Callan sick? We'll be back after this.
No, but really, the last thing that I wanted to say is that he's he's going to be very easy to hate. I think. Yeah, no problem. I think he's and and like I told you, that comment about the Mets didn't show him love. That was just like his first step, right, on, on the path <laughs> towards becoming Jimmy Rollins. Yeah. And speaking, it was like, speaking of which, we should sign Jimmy Rollins just for yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, he, we'd love him. He's a lovable. Type. He's a lovable character. Hey, Cal, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the conversation. It's a trap. Jets. Jets. Kansas City. <laughs> what? The chefs. The chefs. It's a trap, Cal. Great job, man. It's Who's a trap? Chef? It's a trap game. Uh, I don't think so. It's a trap. Call it nope. a trap. Nope. Look, we're not here to talk about the Jets, although I will say Tom Moore. That, that Rex Ryan couldn't have been more passive-aggressive with that move. Yeah, that was like my dad maiming. <laughs> Tom Moore, ultra consultant, or whatever they call him, ultra, you know. That was, that was literally like my dad, like, no, no, it's cool. Don't worry about it. We'll yeah. just We'll just limp along here. With a broken leg. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm totally fine. Don't worry about it. It's great. He's just gonna be he's just gonna be hanging around. Don't worry about it. It's good. No, he's nothing. He's nothing. No, Brian Shoddy runs the show. I'm just here to make observations. Don't mind me. I'm just you know, I'm just watching, you know? <laughs> that was literally Rex Ryan transforming into my dad. Just <laughs> kidding. It's, it's fine. I'll be alright. Yeah, that's good. Listen, the players love Schottenheimer. It's not about Schottenheimer, but Tom Moore is going to be here. Hope that's okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. Look, I'm not here to step on anyone's toes. Look, it's going to be fine. I just, you know, I've got a lot of experience. I'm going to make some observations. Yeah. It's Brian's team, though. Look, Brian's in charge. You listen to him. <laughs> Rex Ryan playing the part of my father. Right. <laughs> Totally cool. Don't worry about it. Uh, so uh, Tom Moore is going to hang out for the rest of the season, and you know and he, he seems excited about it too, which was interesting. Cal, I love it. I'm like giddy. This is the this is the most that a Jet fan who hates Brian Schottenheimer, and there's a lot of us, mm. um, could hope for at this point. You know, Rex is not going to fire him. Because nope. of the way he treats his assistants, he's not going to do that to an assistant. He's not going to do something to an assistant that was done to him and could prevent him from getting a head coaching job. He's got a blind spot for his assistants. So, hey, Tom, can you hang out for a while? Uh, no, you don't have to leave. No, no, why don't you stay a little while? We have coffee and donuts. I mean, you're here. You're here. You might as well just, you know. The best part is Tom Moore's like, what, 73 or something like that? Yeah. You know, Rex was like, we have a lot of coffee and a lot of donuts. <laughs> should just hang out. You don't have to leave. Do you know how much coffee we have in this place? Yes. We will We will put the coffee on at 5.15. No problem. Let me, let me ask you a question. <laughs> dinner, dinner served at 5.25. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yo, Coach, why are we eating so early? <laughs> oh, it's Tom. He's got his tip calculator out. He's got to eat. No, listen. Last week they they showed a little bit of a different look in yes. their game against Washington. Yes. How do you think that was some of the influence of Tom Moore? Absolutely. Everybody, here's the thing that drove me crazy about the DC game, about the Redskins game, Cal. Uh, again, they they blew it out late, 
uh, Sanchez with fourth quarter heroics, et cetera, et cetera. Cal, that first drive was beautiful. It was great. I mean, everybody and everything I read was they were dead for three quarters, et cetera, et cetera. They were not dead for three quarters. That first drive was 17 plays and 82 yards and gorgeous. Play calling, gorgeous. This, you know, quick throws from Sanchez, look downfield, dump it off. Uh, good running plays, run mixed with pass, a little wildcat in there, very nice. So they were not dead for three quarters. Box up. Is he here? Box, box up that, box up that first drive, Brian. The first drive, but after that, they, you know, they sputtered a little bit. But they had penalties. All right. By the way, Mulligan, Matt Mulligan. Oh boy, go really? away. If go I away. Up, if I effed up that many, he has six offsides penalties, Cal. But but do you notice that every time he screws up, he gets angry? Right. Like it's someone else's fault. <laughs> right. He screws up the snap count. He's like, you guys with the snap counts and stuff. I can't. <laughs> I don't know what you expect me to do over here. <laughs> you know, with a snap count. All right. Mark, every once in a while, if you could just keep it the same. Yeah. Six offsides, Brian. And two holds. He's got eight, he's got eight penalties called against him. And he's the backup tight end. And just a poor attitude on yeah. top of it. I mean, very poor. Very Go poor. away. But that first drive, bottle it. Bottle it. Yeah, it was a great drive. I that's mean, they, that, that's they, what they that mixed up the run in the pass. Sanchez was like 5 of 5 on the first drive for like 61 yards. They ran the ball for 30 yards. That's what the team should be. Bottle it. And you know what? He keeps winning. Yep. That's all he does is win. Well, that's not all he does, but... He goes to see a lot of Broadway shows. It's one of the things he does, along with uh, Broadway shows and Pepsi commercials. And... Listen, our producer, our producer, pop culture PJ the Pooh, called it perfectly at the beginning of this season. And he plays it every time we talk about the Jets. And you know what, Cal? <laughs> Literally, every time we play about the Jets. He plays <laughs> it. Right. He's right. It is Survivor for this team. They are 7-5. and five. They need to win this week. All right? They need to win this week. We know what this game is. We know what it is. It's a trap! We know what it is. I disagree. It's a trap game, Cal. It's a trap. It's not. It's not no. It's a trap. Fall in the trap. <laughs> All right. It's a trap. <laughs> Herm Edwards is taking over the show. It's a trap. Know what the game is? Trap. It could be a trap. It's not a look-ahead game because they play Philly next week. That's right. So, you know so what it is? Me and Ar- Admiral Ackbar. <laughs> it's a trap. Admiral Ackbar. Me. Trap. Snack. Oh boy, Herm, we were on the medical frigate. <laughs> Y'all think we don't know what this game is? <laughs> Y'all think we don't know? It's a trap, trap game. You look, you're looking at me. I'm standing here. I'm telling you, it's a trap. 
I was talking to Admiral Akbar the other day. You know what he said to me? He said, Herm? It's a trap! It's a trap game. Trap. I know it. Jets know it. Chiefs know it. It's a trap game. Um, we love Herm Edwards. God, Herm. I never thought Cowie would get a coach that would be that entertaining, and then Rex showed up. I know. And Herm was good. He was a good coach. Solid coach. You know? And then here's, he was... Here's the thing about Herm. Herm was a great Monday to Saturday coach. Yes. Yes, he was. Then the game started. Yeah. And then not so there, was, there was that. Cal, we got about 20 minutes left. Let's uh, talk about the Giants. Yeah, Dallas Giants. Holy mackerel, Andy. I mean, that's that's football right there. Yeah, now you're talk. That's football. You're talking about two teams gonna kill each other. That's football. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you I like how you put the dash on it. Yeah, because you don't know who it is. I'm gonna tell you something about this quarterback. Where are you going with this? <laughs> Very bad, Gruden. It's fantastic, Gruden. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> that was like, you know, they need somebody to do an impression on SNL and nobody can do it, so they just pick somebody. Like, yeah, hey, you, you, right. why don't you do Obama this week? It's sort of, it's sort of how uh, Armin, or what's his name, uh, got Obama. Yeah. Yeah, Fred Armin Katane. Fred Armin Katane. I was going to say Armin Katane. How bad is that? How did... His Obama is very good, actually. I'll tell you what. I bet you he does a good Obama. He could probably better than Fred Armisen. Oh, but that's how Armisen got Obama. Right. That's yeah. That's my point. And he just like, kind of. We, we need somebody. Hey, let's. Uh, we're calling Dan. Oh, let's call good. Dan. Let's see if he's awake. Does he know we're calling? No, he doesn't. Excellent. It's the best part of this call. Let's see. It's the only single friend we have left. Be up this time. I bet you he doesn't answer. That's why he's not answering. Yeah. He doesn't recognize the number. Doesn't recognize. Doctor Erase test is unavailable. All right, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. Where kill the music. DJ, kill the music. I mean, <laughs> what are you? Uh, what are you, Francesca? <laughs> you just called out the producer. Oh, good job. Why would you do that? No, I wasn't calling him out. I just was. We didn't have him. I needed the. I needed the music to stop. We didn't have him. PJ, could you get the thing up? Could you get the thing up? I mean, I'm asking you to get the thing up. Believable. Cal, uh, you know what's hilarious? What? Why were we calling Dan, by the way? Uh, to talk about the giant game. Oh, okay. Um, you know the sports guy and cousin Sal do their picks on Tuesdays. On that podcast. And they do Francesa and Russo almost every week now. Yeah, and and they're spot on. Right, they're spot on, but they do something that we did, and they weren't, by no means I'm saying they were ripping us off or whatever. It's just a universal dog and mad dog and and, uh, and uh, uh, Francesa thing, Mike and the Mad Dog thing, about uh, reading the schedule down. <laughs> So, like, you take a football and you'd be like, oh, who they got left? Right. And one guy will take Francesca and the other guy will 
Russo, but I've heard it in a couple other places now. It's like a it's a thing which is weird because Russo and Francesa have not been together for three years. Correct. Yet it's a thing now, which is strange. Yep. Correct. And and they they kill it. They do do it well. All right. So Giants Cowboys Cal. What do you make of this Giants team? I it's it's tough. I don't know what to make of it because the effort that they put forth against Green Bay on Sunday, they could have won that game. Oh, were you they, that they, impressed? Were you that impressed? I was a little bit impressed. Okay. I was a little bit impressed by their offense. Their defense didn't impress me, which is supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be a vaunted defense. That didn't impress me. But their offense impressed me, and Eli Manning impresses me. And any time you get Eli Manning, and, and we can make the jokes about Eli being elite and, and that old nonsense, if you have Eli Manning as your quarterback, you have a shot to win the game. Wait, why are you telling me who I have as my quarterback? If you have Eli oh, I Manning hate that one. I hate that one. as your quarterback. I hate that one. I hate that one. Really? You don't like it when, when people tell you how you should feel? Not only that. <laughs> But and 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 I know you didn't do it purposefully, but I I need to call you out on it. If I have Eli Manning as my quarterback, well, what if Eli Manning doesn't work as my quarterback? What if I have no running game, or I don't have a Keem Nix, or I don't like that? And you know who says that a lot? A Gruden no. or somebody like that. Yeah, I don't like it. That's fair. Sorry, Brian. I had to call you out on it. It's fine. But if you have oh, Eli Manning no. as your quarterback, <laughs> you got to think you're in every game. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, but it, uh, I like it for the team. If you're the Giants, okay, and, and what the Giants have become, and, and, and people, you know, what Giant fans do not like Eli Manning. No. They don't. You you have the sycophanty types like McWalters, who uh, he has delivered them a Super Bowl and can do no wrong, because that's all they ever expected out of Eli. They didn't expect him to be Peyton Manning. They just wanted him to be good enough to win a Super Bowl, and they did. And they beat the eighteen and zero Patriots, and it was an upset and magnificent. And then you have every other Giant fan who hates him. And thinks he throws bad picks and thinks he's overrated and blah, 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 blah. Cal, if I'm going to throw it out to you right now, Eli Manning, rated, overrated, or underrated? Please say it as Mike Francesa. I think he's rated. I think he's appropriate. Okay. Appropriate. No, I, I think he, I think he's a he's he's so polarizing. That's the new word, by the way. That's the new word of the day. Well, we're talking about NFL quarterbacks because of Tebow, polarizing because of Tebow. Right. That's what that's the word you have to use about all of these quarterbacks. I'm starting a new thing called blame Tebow. You want to blame Tebow? How about occupy Tebow? <laughs> I don't want to touch Tebow. No. But t- listen, did we did we talk have we talked about Tebow yet? We have. Okay. Do we do we feel that he's he's taking a lot of unfair criticism? Yes, we 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 did that. 
Okay. Remember, remember, we had the whole thing about Pujols thanking God every time he gets a hit, and why is that okay? And right, yeah, that was. It's, it's been a while, so I didn't remember. But Cal, I just I think, think we he's talked about this. Right. We, we did talk about this. I'm sorry. He's won some more games. That's why it stinks. He hasn't actually. He hasn't lost since oh. we talked about it. Then yes, that's and right. He, and he beat the Jets in the interim. He did. That that might have been when we talked about it. I don't like the whole God thing. <laughs> Since he beat the Jets, I think it's sincere. No, going back to Eli Eli Manning, I think he's he is. When people talk about him, you're right; they either love him or they hate him. But I think that overall, everybody can agree that he is where he is. Not one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. He's not one of the worst five quarterbacks in the league. He's towards the top of that middle ground. I think he's a top five quarterback this year. Top five this year? He's having a great year. Top five. Top five. Top five. I'd take him. Well, let's look at them. Rodgers. Breeze. Brady. Now, who are you putting in those last two spots? It ain't Rivers. It ain't Tebow. I'm giving Manning one of them. Stafford. I'll take Manning. Won a Super Bowl. No, but but you're talking about this year. This year, still won a Super Bowl. He Matt, didn't win a Super Not this year. He did not win a Super Bowl. But Matthew Stafford makes a lot of dumb passes. He does. That's true. He's young. He has this year. Yes, he is young. Magnificent it, arm. I'm taking Manning. Andy Dalton. Manning. Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. He's five. I'm Manning at four. Flacco. Nope. Cutler. Cutlet, um, chicken parm, Romo. That's well. That's always that's always the the the. There's a debate. That's the gold standard for debates is Romo versus Manning. But still, I'm putting Manning at four. I'm debating Roethlisberger and Romo at five this year. Fitzpatrick, come on. Hey, you know Matt Ryan, Matty Ice. Nope. Matty Ice stinks. By the way. It stinks, yeah, this year he does. You know what? I've had enough of Matty Ice. It's enough now. It's enough. With the comparisons to Sanchez and, and, and the way Mark Sanchez has suffered Flacco and Matty Ice from his draft class, enough now. We've had enough. I okay. give you that. I'm, I'm going to give you Eli Manning top five quarterback this year. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. There's only literally three, maybe four quarterbacks I'd take before now that's this year. Overall, though, would you rather have Eli Manning or or Philip Rivers? Manning. Okay. Peyton, obviously, if he if he comes back, yeah, you can put him over him. Philip Rivers. <clears throat> Manning has a better arm. Period. He just has a better arm. Yeah, he does. Period. Yeah, you know, you, you go you go team by team. You you might be right. He's probably. At least, if everybody's healthy and you're looking at the actual right. roster of quarterbacks, right. he's he's at least top ten 
probably oh, easy knocking on the he's probably knocking on the door of the top five. Yeah. Overall healthy everything team, I'm taking Roethlisberger over him. But just because of what Big Ben does, and but it's close. It's close. I guess so. He's you know what? And, and look. So you think he's? Do you think he's underrated then? I think, he's a, I think he's a. I think he's a goober. But I think he's. But I think he's underrated. I do. I really do. Would you take him over Sanchez? Absolutely not. Okay. Only because Sanchez is my guy. I think they have the same amount of upside. I think if a Jet fan was given truth serum, they would take Eli Manning. Oh, with your truth serum. <laughs> Just looking for a way to use that. I <laughs> Let's bring PJ back in here as we wrap it up. Good idea. You know why? I have a question for him. Can he do REM? He can. He's got a Michael Stipe. Does he have a Michael Stipe? Give us the Stipe, PJ. <laughs> I got to give it to you next week. Can I tell you that I really shredded my voice? Oh, no. <laughs> I shredded my voice and broke my hand. Oh, don't worry about him, Brian. He's going to be fine. Is this, is, this, is this all dramatic? It's not dramatic. He probably broke his hand. Oh, boy. <laughs> PJ sells out. I, I, feel, I feel guilty now. I commit at, at, at like a, a Chris Farley level. I commit. PJ. Even, even if no one's watching. PJ, and people are watching, by the way. I don't know how. We're on the air. People are listening. Uh, PJ, I had two questions for you. Go for it. <laughs> Why you got to go Rocky on me? Go first. Go for you're, it. You're not, even a, you're not even a fan. First... <laughs> First, did you Why catch? Why that like that? Did you catch the uh, the Woody Allen Masters? It, what? what? <laughs> Are we talking about <laughs> PBS Masters? They had uh, a Woody Allen uh, special. Did you catch no. that? No, completely off my radar. Oh no, Cal, did you see that two part special on Woody Allen? I, I did not, unfortunately. DVR'd it. Looks magnificent. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Two-part special. That's where their Pearl Jam special was, Cal. Yes. The American Masters or whatever. So they did one on Woody Allen. Did a two-parter on Woody Allen. Whole career. Did, did the Pearl Jam show feature heavily on the uh, ukulele phase of the great Eddie Vedder? Listen. If you're going to be no, a jerk... No, you listen. Right? <laughs> if you're going to be a jerk about it, PJ, What's there to be a jerk about? You just, you just, tell, you're, you're an international superstar, so you put out an album of self-indulgent ukulele songs. Who doesn't? Why is it self-indulgent? How could it not be? Who's asking you to buy it? All right, PJ, why don't you tell Cal in the in the few minutes we have left that your favorite uh, Pearl Jam story of me from the back seat. <laughs> Oh, this is not nice because this is, this is when people make fun make fun of me for destroying people. Right. I have a reputation Tell- for dismantling people. I believe is is the correct term that your your brother first coined. Yes, Scott. Still says, dismantling people, are we? You, you, you don't destroy people; you dismantle them. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you tell Why don't you tell Cal how you dismantled me? 
we were driving through the city as we were known to do, and we were listening to a Pearl Jam song. After 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 band rehearsal, right? Of the band that I was the lead singer for, of your band singing all your music. Oh, are you saying I should be more grateful? Was that the? Was I treating you badly? <laughs> not not grateful. Look, this is not a behind the music. All right. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying that we had I just had left the just band. quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> when Phil you ran over Phil's foot. Right. No, and just... and I pointed out to Steve that while the Pearl Jam was song was on, you, we, he you, you don't it's not necessary for him to harmonize with the song as it's playing, <laughs> and also not sing every line, only sing every other line. So you know, you're, so, you're not okay with that? No, it is humming. Today, demon made me wise. Having a scene, fun in the mouth. What'd you say, PJ? Something so much clearer. Won't you? Won't take a left. Mirror. Steve, let it go. We know you know the song. (laughs) And he took great offense at this and has been carrying it with him for years. What'd you say? I don't see how this is my fault. What'd you say? (sighs) What do you mean? What was the the one? Did I no. say you're not in the band? What did I say? You, you threw the you're not in the band at other times. <laughs> it doesn't make you sound any better when you sing every other line. <laughs> wow. All right. It's, look, people know this. It's the thing Brian. about me. You're kind of a dick, Paul. That's what they say. That's it. Brian, I I uh, leapt out of the car while I was moving. I just I just jumped out of the car. <laughs> Doesn't make it sound any better. Doesn't make the, it. Band, the band was on top of the world until that fateful car. When we coming coming up, when we have Paul to see. When it's not helping that you only sing every other line. Yeah, it's not helping. Oh, that's great. And and so, like, I can see it as if it was clear as day because I could see that whole scenario playing out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, here's something. Here's something for the ready to unload listeners. As we wrap up the show here, guys, we've got about two minutes left. Wow, we're um, really running out of tape here. No, right, Brian. Also more tape. Brian and I have uh, have talked about the Mets and Jose Reyes and a little bit about football here and there, but we're having a lovely show, but. I want to bring this up. Uh, it was two years ago, two years ago, last week, that Brian and I got together and decided that we wanted to do something like this. You're getting the cue, by the way. They're they're giving you. I the... know. I know. <laughs> yeah. They just they just cued the music up at the Oscars. <laughs> they're calling upstairs. They're freaking out. They're saying if we go over, there's not a sponsor to plug the end. <laughs> This is like this is like the closest to the Oscars I've ever gotten in my life. You know they're trying to wrap me up, but I don't care. <laughs> I just want to thank Brian. I want to thank PJ, um, uh, Vinny, and Makeup. God, you guys are amazing. 
Uh, no, it might sound it might sound good if you sang along to this. <laughs> uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Lydia uh, in production. God, Lydia, we did it! We did it! We did it, Lydia. Our agency, they're the best agents in the world. <laughs> uh, so, now, Cal is like the guy who has the Oscar behind me and goes right. up and like pushes I'm just trying to kind of. <laughs> Cal gets in two words. Right. Julian Emma, I'm coming home. Right. To my wife. And it's off. The mic's off. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to go a little overtime. Thanks for listening to Ready to Unload live. As I know you all are. And, uh, Peach, Brian, love you. Something good is coming. What's that mean? Really? Well, that was the song. It was called Something Good. It's a nice little song. Let me be a new something. <laughs> I thought you were making a trade or something. I was waiting for news. Uh, so we are officially off the live air, but we are uh, still going on. We should wrap up the show, guys. Yes. Can we do it in uh, song? We should do it in song. You know how we, we should do it? I can't do it in song. <laughs> I refuse. He's out. Before we go, guys, uh, we're still recording. We ha- we have another couple of seconds before we can stay on. As I was saying, two years ago, Brian and I decided to do this show. Um, decided to try this live in my office, and uh, we've made it here. We've been on the air for two years. We now have a producer in PJ, and thank you, PJ, for being part of the show. And um, I really hope in the next year you continue to be so. And uh, I just want to thank you, Bri, uh, for giving me every week, uh, about a hundred times, really just uh, something to look forward to and be a part of. And um, I I really love what we've done here, pal. So thank you. Well, I I feel the exact same way. It wasn't something that I was sure was going to work in the beginning. I had to. It was a hard sell. Right, it's right. Um, mostly. Yeah, yeah. Usually it is, and and religion and Canadian and me being a Italian. They said it wouldn't last. <laughs> they said it would stink. They did. <laughs> Most people didn't even comment because they didn't care. Right. I lost um, friends. <laughs> we've lost friends along the way with our constant barrage on Facebook. Hey, what but, happened? Canceled due to total lack of interest. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of a mighty wind. <laughs> hey, what happened? Canceled due to total lack of interest. <laughs> hey, what happened? I got a big red wagon. I got a big red wagon. <laughs> um, 
No, it's been great. Uh, great. <laughs> I'm glad that we've been doing this. And here's to two more years. You know, like they always say, here's to 20 more. Here's to two more. <laughs> yeah. We'll give it two more and then out. Let's see what happens in two more years. Yeah. I'll get Honestly, a job. <laughs> you're at a job. <laughs> you're at your job. You are my job. Uh, honestly, Bri, I've loved it, and uh, I don't care if we do it for another 20 years and nobody listens or everybody listens. It doesn't make a difference to me. It's just great to talk sports with you every week and and BS about uh, you know game show host. <laughs> I still want that game. Who, Gus Glitz? Gus Glitz. Pj, I think this was before you joined up, but Cal and I had... No, nah, he was part of it. He's the oh, one that made there. it. That's right. Yeah, I was there. That was before you were producing the show. Yeah, well, we found it online together. Yes, Gus Glitz. I I forgot the name was Gus Glitz. Why does Gus Glitz sound so filthy now? Only to you. Lots of things, too. Pete, did you hear the uh, There Will Be Blood I played earlier? Sure did. How good is this? I mean, we need to find a way to use this every show. Yeah, someone should use that in a movie or something for atmospheric music. <laughs> Never happened. Never I know, happened. Hollywood, right? Hollywood, right? <laughs> Never happened, you're out of your mind. It's so ominous. Cal, final unload. My final the unload is, is that... Can you, can you do it over this? Or you do, I can. Yeah, no, I got a good one. <laughs> the next two years at City Field, there'll be lean times. And it might get a little ugly. But hang on. Hang on. Good times are coming. Watch out, because some bad times are on the way. Somebody paid attention in the production meeting today. (laughs) PJ, final unload. Hi, this is Johnny Greenwood, and this is Songs in the Key of Purple. I'm going to hurt myself. There, I did it. And my final... (laughs) And my final unload, because I couldn't do it over the Johnny Greenwood There Will Be Blood music, is uh, today is the, uh, I believe, 31st anniversary of John Lennon. Correct. Gunned down. John Lennon would have been 71 this year. And uh, we miss you, John. I think I speak for everybody here at RTU uh, when I say uh, rough day. And I remember watching Monday Night Football that night and hearing Howard Cosell tell us that he's gone. So, uh, 
This show is dedicated to the memory of John Lennon. I think one of the big reasons we went into music. Anyway, that's all we have uh, for Brian Calvi and PJ Cachopo. I'm Steve Sampietro. This is Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete. Thank you to Patrick Flood. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>